0: Reflecting on consciousness, this is a a kind of subject that seems to have uh, become quite uh, important these days, because even though we're experiencing consciousness, uh, we don't, uh, we we want to kind of understand it. Or define it. So you hear some people saying that they, they equate consciousness with thinking or memory. So I've heard scientists or psychologists say that uh, animals don't have consciousness, which seems ridiculous <laughs> because uh, they assume animals. Uh, they don't think and they don't remember but uh, in terms of this moment uh, right now this this is consciousness we're just listening in this pure pure consciousness before you start thinking so this uh, make a note of this. Consciousness is like this. And what I do is uh, I'm, I'm listening, I'm kind of just with this present moment, being present, being here now, and taking the word consciousness and and noting, making a mental note, consciousness is like this. So it's, 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 uh, it's uh, where thought arises, and feeling, and emotion, and if we're unconscious, we don't feel, and we don't think. But consciousness, then, is is like the field that allows thought, memory, emotion, feeling to appear and disappear. So consciousness isn't uh, isn't personal. It's not uh, to become personal. You you have to uh, make a claim to it. My consciousness, or I am conscious person, and that's kind of making a claim. But it, there's just the awareness. this entrance into the, this noting the present. Then. At this moment, consciousness is like this. Then I begin to just notice this sound of silence, sense of just sustaining, uh, being able to rest in just a natural state of consciousness that is non-personal, not attached. Now, noting this is is like like a informing or educating oneself the way it is, and uh, because you know our conscious we're we're born when when we're born, then consciousness within this separate form starts operating. So like a newborn baby is conscious, but yet it has. It doesn't, it doesn't have a concept of itself as being English or male or female or anything like that. Those, those, uh, those are conditions that one acquires after birth. So consciousness is, in this realm is a conscious realm So oh, then we, we think of the universal consciousness, I and mean, then consciousness as it's used in the five khandas, vijnana, rupa vedana, sanyasankara, vijnana, and then consciousness which is is like sense consciousness. But then there there's also this Consciousness unattached, or they uh, unlimited, or um, deathless. So they have this in, in uh, two places in the Tripitaka they refer to Vinyanang, Anidasanang, anandang Sapato, A mouthful of words that point to this. State of 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 consciousness, that natural, this natural conscious, this reality. So, I find it very useful to to really. Note this. Make this a very strong um, noting. Consciousness is like this, so that uh, if I start thinking about it, then uh, then I want to define it. Is there is there an immortal consciousness, or we want to make it into some kind of metaphysical doctrine, or or we want to deny it, saying that. Uh, uh, consciousness is anicca dukkanatha. It says so, uh, vinyanang, uh, anichang, vinyanang anatha and so forth. And so we, we want to, uh, pin it down or define it either as impermanent and not self or we want to maybe raise it up into some kind of, uh, uh, thing that, uh, that we, Hold to as a, as a kind of metaphysical positioning. But say, we're not interested in, in proclaiming the metaphysical doctrines, or in just, uh, limiting ourselves to maybe, uh, an interpretation that we've acquired through this tradition, but trying to explore it in terms of experience. And this is where this Lung uh, Phra Ben Bhajitang is, this is something you, you realize for yourself. So what I'm saying now is an exploration, it's not, not a, I'm not trying to uh, convince you or convert you to, to my, quote, my viewpoint, unquote. So when you when you kind of consciousness is like this right now the consciousness definitely conscious. There's alertness, awareness. And then conditions arise and cease. If you just sustain yourself sustain and rest in consciousness you know, unattached not not kind of trying to do anything or or find anything or become anything but just relax and trust then things will rise suddenly you'll be aware of, of uh, a feeling uh, a physical feeling or a memory or an emotion or something will arise in that and, and so that memory becomes conscious or that sensation and then it ceases so the, the consciousness is like a vehicle uh, a natural it's the way things are is consciousness something to do with the brain? You know, because we tend to think of it as a maybe um, some kind of mental state that depends on uh, the brain. So we tend to think of consciousness as in the brain. and That's generally the attitude of the Western scientists. But more and more as you explore it with tattti sampachanya, chanya, Panya, then you see the brain and all the, the nervous system, the whole, uh, psychophysical formation here is, it arises in this consciousness. You know, it's, a, it's, it's imbued with this consciousness. That's why that's why we can be aware of the body, you know, just in reflecting on the posture, just the sitting, the four postures: sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Being aware of sitting as experienced now. It's not, not you're not limited to to something in the brain, is it? But the body is in the consciousness. Be aware of the whole body of, of the experience of sitting. And then that consciousness isn't personal, so it's not like in my head, and then consciousness is in your head, and each each head here in the sala, in the temple, has has consciousness operating in it. So there's, you know, we we have our own special conscious experience going on, or is it is this consciousness the thing that that unites us? Is it our oneness, I'm just Questioning. We have different ways of looking at it. When we, when we let go of the differences, you know, the I am Arjan Samedho and you are this person, ever. when those, when we let go of those identities and attachments, then consciousness is still functioning. And it's pure, it has no quality of being personal or has no condition to it, like it's not male or female. It's not, uh, you can't, you can't put, put a, a quality into it. But it is like this. So then we, when we, when we begin to recognize that which, which binds us together, which is, uh, our common ground, is consciousness, then we begin to recognize this is kind of universal, you know, it's not just here in this, uh, temple, but... So maybe our metta practices, when we spread metta to a billion Chinese over in China, Maybe it's not such just maybe it's not just kind of sentimentality and nice thoughts maybe there is power there <laughs> No I don't know myself I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm questioning I'm not I'm not going to limit myself to 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 a particular viewpoint that I've been conditioned by from my cultural background, because most of that isn't very, you know, it's pretty flawed anyway. I don't find my cultural conditioning all that uh, dependable. Was uh, yesterday morning having breakfast with Kittisaro and Tannisara, and and uh, they brought over some croissants, and then they brought me a tray of gifts, and there was uh, some uh, chocolates from Marks and Spencer. So we were, you know, I took a took a croissant, and then uh, then I gave the plate to them, and then we were talking and having a good dharma discussion, and then suddenly I, I became aware, you know, a, i would I, just the thought of, uh, I'd like another croissant passed through my mind, and immediately Tenetra gave me the play of So I was almost embarrassed. I thought, you know, God, she must think, you know, I must have been kind of, was I giving some kind of hint, you know, was I kind of looking at the plate and... And then uh, time went by and and then then I thought, I'd like another one of those chocolates and she hands me the chocolate. So I asked her about it. I said, "Are you are you reading my mind? <laughs> What's going on here?" As soon as I think something, you seem to to. Uh, I don't even have to make a hint or you know ask. She didn't. She did. It. She just did it. She didn't have any. She wasn't like. Um, you know, she had wasn't seeing herself tuning in to me uh, on a personal level, but but when you begin to reflect on as we, as we break out of these limitations of uh, that we, we, we have on a personal level then there is a, a, a sensitivity and a kind of way of communicating that, that we don't always recognize or realize when we see ourselves through the very limited perceptions of personality view So then like the the Vedana like Rupa Vedana Sanya Sankara these are like the body and mental formations like Sankaras uh, Sanya and and Vedana they they're arising ceasing. So when we, when we're mindful, then this mindfulness then allow, it's like it's the the gate to this deathless vinyana. or Lung Tabu is immortal jitta. This is, in Sri Lanka they don't like this. They won't publish his books because they, they feel it's a heresy. They're talking about immortal jitta, but but in terms of, of uh, you know, if you if you want to quarrel about orthodoxy, sometimes Theravada comes across as annihilationism. You, know, you get into this no soul, no God, no self, kind of fixation, which is a attachment to a view. Or is the Buddhist teaching there there to be investigated and? not to be we're not trying to confirm somebody's view about the poly heat polycanon but using the polycanon to explore our own experience it's a different different way of looking at it so at this moment then this is because if you if you investigate this, a lot. You begin to really see the difference between of just pure consciousness and when self arises. It's very clear. It's not. It's not like fuzzy, kind of hazy. Is there self now or not? You know that kind of thing. It's it's a real clear uh, knowing. So then the self arises, so suddenly I, I start thinking about myself and my feelings and my memories, my past, my fears and desires, and, and the whole world arises around the world of Ajahn Tomatoes, like how it kind of takes off into, into orbit, you know, and my feelings. My views, my opinions. But then, then I can, you know, I can, I can get caught into that world, that view of me, the Ajahn world that, that arises in, in the consciousness. But if I know that, then I don't, I no longer give it, it's no longer my refuge, being a person, I'm not taking refuge in, in my Personality, or my views or opinions. So then, then I can, you no, know, so Arjun Sumaito, the world of tomato ends. And what remains when the world ends is consciousness still, still operating. Doesn't mean that Arjun Tomato dies and the world ends. I'm unconscious. I remember, you know, the, talking about the end of the world, and, and I remember somebody getting very frightened by this. And I, the Buddhists are just practicing meditation to see the end of the world. They're really, they're, they're really, you want to destroy the world. Uh, they they hate the world. They want to see it end. And so there's kind of a panic uh, reaction because uh, to us the world isn't you know is is seen in in the kind of a physical place, isn't it? It's planet and it's the world of continents and oceans, North Pole and South Pole. But in, in Buddha Dhamma the world is is the world we create in consciousness. So that's why, you know, we can be living in different worlds. You know, we the world of Ajahn Sameto is is not going to be the same world as the world you create. But that world arises and ceases, and that which is aware of the the world arising and ceasing transcends the world. So it's, uh, so kutara rather than lokia. When we're born, and when in say physical birth, we we consciousness within a this form, within a separate form, so this point of consciousness starts operating, and then of course we acquire the sense of ourselves through uh, through our parents, our mothers and fathers and cultural background, so we. You know, we acquire different values or sense of ourself as a person. And that's based on avicca, not dhamma, but on um, views and opinions or preferences that cultures have. And so that's why there can be endless problems around different cultural attitudes. You know, we can... We're living in a multicultural community like this, isn't it? We, it's easy to misunderstand each other because we're conditioned differently in ways of looking at ourselves or at the, the world around us. And so remember that cultural conditioning comes out of avijja or ignorance of Dhamma. So then, what we're doing now, say, is informing consciousness with punya, which is is a universal wisdom rather than culture some kind of cultural philosophy, like like Buddha Dhamma. When you look at it, even you know, it's not a it's not a cultural teaching, not about Indian culture or civilization. It's about the natural laws that we live with—the the rising and ceasing of phenomena. Not the way things are, isn't it? the, the Dhamma teachings are, are, are just pointing to the, the uh, way things are—that is, isn't, isn't uh, bound into cultural limitation. So when you're talking about a Nietzsche nata, or that's not Indian philosophy or culture, that these are things to be realized, you know, that you can, you're not operating from some kind of basic belief system that is cultural. The, the, basic, the, the Buddhist emphasis is on waking up, you know, paying attention, rather than, than grasping some kind of doctrinal position that you start with. So in, in uh, this is where Buddha Dhamma then has why many of us can relate because we're not we're not trying to become kind of Indians or you know, convert to some kind of religious doctrine that uh, that came out of India, but the Buddha uh, awakened to the way it is, to the to the to the natural law. So when we're exploring consciousness and and then these the, the teaching like five khandas are are skillful means or expedient means in order to, to explore and examine our experience. They aren't like you've got to believe in the five khandas and believe that there's no self and and you can't believe in God anymore. To be a Buddhist, you've got to believe there's no God. I I mean, we there are Buddhists that that do have this kind of mentality. You know, want to make doctrinal positions about being, being Buddhist. But the, to me, the 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 teaching isn't based on on a on a doctrine, but on this uh, encouraging to awaken. So you're starting from here and now, awakened attention, rather than trying to prove uh, that Buddha that Buddha actually lived. No, we can we can become uh, interested. Maybe somebody will say maybe Buddha never really there was never really a Buddha. Maybe it was just uh, a myth. But it doesn't matter because we're not we we don't we don't need to prove that uh, Gautama Buddha actually lived. It's not it's not that's not the issue. <laughs> we're not trying to to prove. Uh, Historical fact, but to uh, recognize that what we're actually experiencing now is like this. So then when we when we allow ourselves to just rest in conscious awareness, it's like this is this is a natural state it's not a created one you know it's, it's not like a refined conditioning that we're after where where you you know through uh, moving from say coarser conditions to Increasingly more refined ones, then you, you, you experience a, a kind of bliss and tranquility that comes through refining conscious experience. Mm-hmm. But that's very dependent because the world, this conscious realm that we're a part of is, includes coarse and ref, the coarse and the refined. You know, it's not, this is not a refined realm that we're, we're experiencing in terms of human bodies human beings planetary life this is not a deva loka or a brahma loka uh which is more refined much more this is this is this is the coarse realm where we we have we we run the gamut from coarse to refined, to that which is coarse to that which is refined so we can experience brahma state or Deva, loka type, uh, mental experiences. But to take refuge in them is, it's, you know, we've got to deal with, with the, the realities of a physical body, which is, you know, which is, uh, a, quite a coarse condition. In deva realms, they don't have physical bodies, they have ethereal ones. Says we don't like ethereal bodies, wouldn't we? You know, made made out of ether rather than uh, all these slimy things that go on inside our bodies, in the bones and pus and blood—all these kind of yucky conditions we yes. have to live with, having to defecate every day, things like this. It's... Uh, David Davidards don't have to do things like that Sometimes we we like to you know we like to create this illusion where Davidards you know, we we don't like you know, do these functions or we like privacy we don't want people to notice you know, cuz of the coarseness of this uh of just the physical physical conditions that we're living with. But consciousness includes the course as uh, you know, from gradations from the most coarse to the most refined. So then our refuge then is in this awareness rather than in trying to hold to refine, in trying to just, to try to sustain refined experiences through consciousness as, as our refuge because it, you can't do it. You can, you can, uh, you know, you, you can maybe sustain, learn through, through developing, uh, a skillful use of your mind. You can, you know, increase your sense, your experience of refinement. But inevitably, uh, you have to allow the Course to manifest, to to be a part of our conscious experience. So, it's by resting in this awareness, conscious awareness, then It's a natural state and it's not, it's your true nature then, It's, it's what's normal. it's oftentimes referred to as like coming home or our real home. It's where you know it's the place to rest. It's like a home. The idea of a home is a place that you where you belong isn't it? You're no longer a foreigner or an alien. So As you begin to recognize, it's like you feel a sense of, of relief, of just being, being home at last, of not being this strange stranger, this wanderer out in the wilderness. Then the world of Ajahn Sumedho can arise, and then it's like you're not home anymore because Ajahn Sumedho is uh, is an alien, a stranger, <laughs> he he never feels quite at home anywhere. Self consciousness. You know, am I am I am I American now, or am I British, or am I Thai? Where do I feel at home as Ajahn Sameto? You know, I don't even know what nationality I am anymore. It's a, or where I feel most at home. Do I feel, I don't feel, I feel more at home in England now than in America. I lived here so long. And in Thailand, I feel at home because it's the paradise for Buddhist monks. And they treat you so well, but that's but that's not. Me. But even that can be, you know, still. you have to get visas, and and uh, you're always pop-rung, and there's always this kind of separate <laughs> going on. And here in England, you know, no matter how how you know how many years I'm here, I'm still to most people an American. And when I go back to, <laughs> to America. I don't know what I am, what you don't look like an American anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you develop kind of a funny accent. We don't know where, where you're from but if i if, but that's the world of uh, that's the world that is created isn't it, when it drops away. What's left is uh, reflecting our real home. Another thing to, to notice is, uh, the, like compulsive feelings, like this sense of having to do something, or, you know, this, this I call it compulsive habits of having to do, having to get something you don't have, or attain something, or get rid of you know, how you've got to get rid of your defilements. So in when you're in a, when you're trusting in in our real home, then you, you can have perspective on this this kind of conditioning of the emotions. as we're that very kind of uh, competitive, goal oriented societies that we come from, that we're very programmed, very much programmed to Always feel that there's something we've got to do. We've got to get something. We're lacking something, uh, and we've got to find out what it is. We've got to get it, or we've got to get rid of of um, what we, you know, our weaknesses and faults, bad habits. <coughs> So notice, this is not, this is uh this is just a, an attitude that arises and ceases. The world, it's the world, the competitive world, the, uh, world of a self, you know, on a self level, we've, on a personal level, there's always, you know, we can always see ourselves in terms of, you know, what's wrong with us as a person. As a person, there's something, you know, there's so many flaws and inadequacies inadequacies on a personal level. There's no perfect personality that I've ever noticed. Personality is is very, you know, it's all over the place. Uh, Some of it's kind of all right and, you know, adequate. Others, some of it's really wacky. But there's no kind of personality that is uh, to take refuge in you. You're never going to make yourself into a perfect personality, and so when you're judging yourself on on a, on a personal level, then then there is there seems to be so many problems, inadequacies, and flaws and weaknesses and. Right, because you you might you're comparing yourself maybe to some ideal sense of an ideal person, you know, a noble, uh, unselfish, uh, superlative type person personality. So, being aware of personality, that which is aware, is not personal. So you can be aware of of the personal as a mental object, and so these these personality conditions arise and cease, so you find yourself you know suddenly feeling very insecure or or acting very childish you know, because the conditions for that personal personality have arisen, like going home to your parents. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, to, I remember when my parents were alive. At age 55, I went uh, home to stay with them for about three weeks because my they were very ill, very sick, and living three weeks with my parents. Who was Abbot of Amravati, 55-year-old Ajahn Samato and and then going home and living in the same. Little house with my mother and father brought up all kinds of of childish emotions, you know. It's quite, because the conditions were there, isn't it? For that. Mothers and fathers bring up, you know, because you were, you were, you know, you're born into, through them, and then. Your child, your memories, your connections are from infancy onward. There so are a lot of the, the conditions that arise in families are just, it's just the conditions for feeling like a child again, even when you're fifty-five year old Buddhist monk, abbot of a monastery. And you can see my mother and father easily go back into seeing me as their child. You know, rationally, they could say yes. He's, he's he's a you know middle-aged man. Then I was middle-aged, and, and uh, they, rationally they say yes. But you know they still felt I you know act sometimes like I was their child. And then you feel this rebelliousness, kind of adolescent, kind of <laughs> is that. <laughs> <laughs> about being treated like a child. And so I mean, these these are. Just, so don't be surprised if you know some of the emotional states that arise and in, in, when you throughout your life, even as you get old, when the karma ripens, then you're going to these this then these conditions appear in consciousness. So don't despair if you, you know, if you find yourself at 50 years old feeling very childish or adolescent or whatever, but just be aware of that as a, you know, for what it is. It is what it is. The conditions for that particular emotion are present so then it, it, so it becomes conscious. So your refuge is in this awareness. Rather than trying to make yourself into a, an ideal, mature man or woman, uh, you know, responsible, mature, capable, and successful. Normal. And, <laughs> and all the rest. These I mean, are the ideals. And, and when you're 55 years old, you know, you, you know, here I'm, you know, seen in terms of, I'm not looked at as, as a child. Nobody, I'm the oldest person here. Not quite. <laughs> then, uh, then, uh, you see me in terms of maybe a, a father figure. Because an old man like me brings out your the sense of uh you know authority. I'm an authority figure, a, a patriarch, a father figure, a male figure, a grandfatherly figure to some of you. To be your grandfather. Eh? It's interesting just to see how you know this, this, these things when the conditions are are there. Uh, it, you know, maybe you know rationally say "Well, you're, he's I'm, he's not my father," but then emotionally you might feel like that that you know you are acting to me like a father because it's an emotional habit, and when the conditions for kind of Uh, male authority figures are present and this is what you're feeling or like it's like this you know so there's nothing wrong about it it's just noticing the way it is so and trusting your refuge is in the awareness not in some idea that you you shouldn't project fatherly images onto me or you shouldn't feel uh, this disempowered by a male authority figure and things like this, uh, and, and judging it on that level, but, but trust in it. Whatever you feel, if you feel disempowered by me, then that's, that's the way, that's us recognize that's the, the condition that has arisen. Rather than make it into a problem by either blaming me or blaming yourself, because then you're back into the to the the world you're creating, your personal world, and and believing in that as your reality. I noticed, uh, you know, how uh, how strong. You know, I used to get really angry when when women would get bossy. So when when any woman would show any kind of bossiness, I, I just feel this rage. And I wondered, where, you know, why why I'd get so upset. When, when women, you know, even a tone of voice or a kind of bossy attitude, why well, I could get so enraged over that. And I can see it was a, you know, it's up kind of like at the point of my, when I was a boy, trying to get away from my mother. And the mother knows best. Mother knows what's good for her little boy, (laughs) and so so I I never resolved that. (laughs) So it was uh, you know once I could see it, I could let it go, but it was. You know, quite surprising. Now, the the rage one could feel, like a, a little boy trying to to break out of the that that relationship with his mother. You know that kind. Of, you know kind of fighting against mother. So when the conditions it arise, you know, then that, you know, if that's never been fully resolved yet, then, then, then one feels these kind of, the conditions for that, that rage are present, then this is what you're feeling. And it's through this awareness of it that you resolve it. You know, as you, as you understand it and, and see it in terms of what it is, then you can, what we call resolve it or let it go so that you're not just stuck with the same old reaction all the time. So that's what I encourage during this retreat to, to, uh, you know, not to resist what, what arises in your consciousness. You know, not trying to control and, and, uh, manipulate our mental states all the time. Allow allow whatever you know welcome whatever or does arise during this retreat If it's boredom or aversion or greed or lust or or doubt resentment fear whatever this is. this is a sense of welcoming of allowing. That which has arisen, the world that has arisen, to allow it to, to be what it is. And then it's, all worlds cease, you know, their natures to cease, so that you're allowing them to be what they are. If they arise, they cease. So that kind of patient acceptance, if the world is a miserable, nasty world, it's still allow it to be what it is you know so don't try to make it cease be patient allow it to be be what it is a willingness to allow misery to be miserable and in that attitude then 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 you can uh, see the end of misery Misery is not ultimate reality. <laughs> uh, sometimes it seems like it. there's no way out of it. <laughs> but that's just another, that's another feeling, isn't it? When you think, oh, there's no way out. I'll be miserable forever. That's another condition you're creating.